And what is up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Jim Bratton Sports Podcast. I hope you all are having wonderful Wednesdays so far. And before I really get going into what I'm going to be talking about today, uh, I just wanted to sort of, I guess, celebrate would be the right word for it, sort of celebrate the fact that today marks the 10th of what will hopefully be many more episodes to come of the Jim Bratton Sports Podcast. And I just wanted to, before we get going here, I just wanted to uh, give a really quick shout out to everyone who has been continuing to follow my work here and has been continuing to support me on this new journey that I began, I guess about a little over two months ago is when the first episode was released. And uh, I've had so much fun over the course of the last nine episodes Uh, I've just had so much fun sharing my views and my thoughts on the sports world in this new format that I've I've ventured into called podcasting. And before I really get going here, I just wanted to, of course, thank you guys for continuing to keep up with my work here. And again, as I said, uh, hopefully today will mark the 10th of many episodes to come. Uh, What I'm going to be getting into today is mandatory minicamps for the... NFL uh, kicking off this week, and specifically, of course, I'm going to talk about the Tennessee Titans and what the four main things are that I will be paying attention to uh, over the course of minicamp and, of course, going into... uh, training camp, and the preseason as well. Number one, and this is probably the number one or one of the, num- one of the top things on everybody's list of things to watch for with the Tennessee Titans, and that is Derrick Henry and how he responds coming off of last season, which was not a season that he probably would have hoped for, having missed uh, about half the year, roughly, with the foot injury, and it's going to be very interesting to see how he will sort of get back into the swing of things. Of course, he did come back for the playoff game 
in the divisional round against the Cincinnati Bengals, which is not something I'm going to be spending too much time on today for obvious reasons, but but what I do want to get into is what we can expect from King Henry as this offseason begins. And I want to sort of dive back into last year for a moment because even before the foot injury, uh, King Henry, Derrick Henry, was on pace for another monster season. Uh, Before the foot injury in the regular season, I'm going to run down some of his statistics here. Before the injury, he finished with 219 carries for 937 rushing yards and 10 touchdowns. Which, of course, you guys can do the math on what that would equate to over the course of a now 17-game regular season. But he was on track to have another monster year. And then he was struck by the foot injury. But from everything I've seen, uh, his his rehab has been going really well. It's very encouraging to see the video of him on the practice field at St. Thomas Sports Park. Uh, yesterday in particular, and again, while it's sort of hard to, as they say, judge guys when they're in shorts and no pads on the practice field in the middle of June, uh, just the fact of Derrick Henry being back on the practice field after suffering that injury is a very encouraging thing to see. Uh, But the question remains, and it's a question that is probably going to be asked over the course of the offseason, is when will that decline start to set in with Derrick Henry because he is already 28 years old. And as we all know, uh, when running backs hit the 27-year, 28-year, 29-year-old mark, their play and their production begins to decline. And... Obviously, with the usage rate that the Titans have been deploying Derrick Henry at over the course of the last few years in particular, uh, one of the worries that people have is that decline possibly starting to set in sooner rather than later, and 
I think the Titans have taken a few steps to sort of alleviate the workload from Derrick Henry. Uh, they first of which is they drafted Hassan Haskins in the fourth round out of the University of Michigan. Very productive running back. And another thing that the Titans did is they brought back Dontrell Hilliard, who in a pinch last year was very productive for the Titans and helped uh, take some of the burden off of Derrick Henry last year, even before the foot injury. And obviously, while it's good to have two other guys in the mix who can produce while... uh, Derrick Henry is, you know, taking his breaks and staying fresh, if you will. Uh, The thing with Hassan Haskins and Dontrell Hilliard is, obviously, they are not Derrick Henry. And I think this year you may see a little bit more of a committee-type approach, even more so than they deployed last year. Depending on how the uh, foot of Derrick Henry can hold up over the course of 17 games, hopefully. And... Again, the the main thing that concerns me about Derrick Henry is the decline more than anything. Obviously, when he when he is on the field, he is going to produce. The question is is can he man, maintain that production over the course of 17 games? And for the Titans, hopefully that will be the case. Another thing to pay very close attention to is who is going to be blocking for Derrick Henry. And I think if I had to rank the top areas of concern for the Titans, uh, this offseason, number 1A would be, had as I mentioned previously, how Derrick Henry's foot can hold up and can he be the same guy over the course of 17 games. But I would say that number 1B in that discussion would be the offensive line and the main question that I have about the Titans offensive line is where will Dylan Radens line up of course Dylan Radens was the 
guy who the Titans selected in the second round of last year's draft. And throughout the offseason, there's been questions of where he will be playing. And I know he's been working at right tackle and at left guard. Personally, I, I think that he will probably be a better fit at the right tackle spot. But on the other hand, I think flexibility is a very good thing. And having guys who can play multiple different positions along the outline is a very good thing to have. And, but ultimately, again, I think uh, Dylan Radens is probably a better fit at right tackle. And, of course, that leaves the question, where do they go at left guard? And right now, they have two guys on the roster who have sort of been the front runners for the left guard spot. Uh, in Jamarco Jones, who came over from the Seattle Seahawks, and Aaron Brewer, who they had on the roster last year. The problem with those two guys is that they have very limited experience. And personally, I believe that it might be better for the Titans to go a different route and sort of dip back into the free agent pool. And one of the guys that I've been seeing on Twitter, and again, you can take this for what it's worth, uh, but one one of the one of the names that I've seen multiple people on Twitter point out is Eric Flowers, who is a sort of journeyman, if you will. But having said that, he certainly has way more experience than Aaron Brewer or Jamarco Jones. And he was drafted in the top 10, actually, number nine overall of the 2015 draft by the New York football giants and has sort of bounced around as all journeymen do throughout the league. Uh, He's also spent time in Jacksonville. He has spent time in Washington, and he has spent time in Miami. And while he is not necessarily a bona fide starter at this point, uh, he does have, as I mentioned, way more experience than a Aaron Brewer or a Jamarco Jones. And, of course, up until recently, the 
Titans did not have the cap space to sort of add another veteran presence on the O-line if that's what they wanted to do. Uh, but they got some they got some cash back from the Julio Jones release and uh, sort of the bust that the Julio Jones experience was uh, for the Tennessee Titans. But the upside in that is that Julio Jones was released with a post, what they call a post-June 1st designation, which means that anybody that's released after June the 1st, uh, after that happens, the team can get uh, some salary cap relief. And so... Before the release was made, that was one of the departments that the uh, Titans were struggling with because they were a bit uh, salary cap strapped, if you will. And now they are not uh, so much... salary cap strapped anymore and can go out and make a move on the offensive line if they so desired. And personally, again, I I think that's a move that they should look into making because when you're trying to keep the production and cohesiveness of an offensive line together. Uh, You want to make sure that you do not lose the production of their form of the Titans' former left guard in Roger Saffold, who was released this offseason for... uh, salary cap reasons, but I think that even without Roger Saffold, obviously you want to make sure that you do not lose the production and cohesiveness of that unit. And I think adding a guy like Eric Flowers would help. Uh, Obviously, the Titans are hoping that Dylan Radins can slide in somewhere and sort of fit the bill of being selected in the second round of the draft. And with, with guys like Aaron Brewer, and I'm going to mention another name, uh, that they just picked up a guy like Carson Green, who they added off of waivers from the Houston Texans, for instance. Uh, I think 
no matter where everybody slides in, again, I think Raiden's is a better right tackle than a left guard, but from everything I've seen and read, but certainly flexibility is also a good thing. But as long as the production is not lost and the Titans can find the right five guys to slot in on the offensive line. And if everybody uh, can stay healthy is the other main point, then I think the O-line will be in very good shape. And, of course, going back to the First topic of discussion that we had today, I think that that bodes extremely well for Derrick Henry and Dontrell Hilliard and Hassan Haskins and the Tennessee Titans rushing attack. The third thing I want to focus on throughout the course of mandatory minicamps is the development of Malik Willis, who, again, knock knock on wood, as I've mentioned before, uh, could possibly be the Titans quarterback of the future. And so I'm going to be looking very closely at him throughout minicamp and the preseason, I'm very excited to see what he can do in the preseason, but it's going to be, before we get to the preseason, it's going to be very interesting to see how the Titans can use him and sort of monitor his reps as they go through things. And the one question that I have is, Will Malik Willis be the number two quarterback or the number three quarterback? Because uh, Logan Woodside is still on the roster, and I'm I'm not going to pick on Logan Woodside too much because throughout his time with the Titans, especially in the preseason where he has played, uh, he's done fairly well Uh, over the course of the two or so years that he has been with the Titans. But one thing I can say about Logan Woodside is that the quarterback of the future, he is not. And, of course, there is, a re- there is, of course, a reason why the Tennessee Titans actually traded up in the draft to select Malik Willis. And that is, of course, he 
had the mo I would say the most upside of any quarterback in this year's draft class. And my and even going back to my mock draft, as I've mentioned before on the podcast, uh I actually had him going in the top ten of the first round, which is how high everybody in NFL circles certainly was and still are on Malik Willis. But again, it's going to be very interesting to see how his reps are monitored, obviously, at least for this for this season, Ryan Tannehill uh is the starting quarterback and I think it's appro- I think that it's appropriate to wait until we get through at least half of the season for the booze to start rolling in on Ryan Tannehill depending on how he plays and hopefully those boos will will uh, not come but i think based on Ron Tannehill's play uh certainly in the playoff game last year against the Bengals that boos rolling in from fans uh myself included certainly is a distinct possibility, but again, to summarize Malik Willis, uh, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how his reps are monitored in minicamp and training camp and how much playing time he gets uh, over the course of the preseason. Uh, Last thing, I want to talk about with the Tennessee Titans as they move into minicamp is the defense. And, of course, it was a very, very productive unit last year. And one of the things and one of the guys who excites me most on the defense is Harold Landry, who is back this season after signing a new five-year, uh, $87.5 million contract extension. And Harold Landry, I remember going back to when he was drafted, and certainly the way things have transpired will back up this claim that I would have ra- I would have probably taken Harold I would have probably wanted to have taken Harold Landry in the first round of that draft more so than Rashawn Evans who the Titans ended up selecting in the first round of that draft, and they came up, 
they traded back up into the second round of the draft to take Harold Landry. But I would have much rather had Harold Landry in the first round. And when you look at that, uh, when you look at the contract extension that Harold Landry has signed, and also when you look at the fact that Rashawn Evans is no longer with the Titans, uh, I think I was absolutely correct uh, to have that mindset. That was That's a little bit of my humble brag of the day, if you will. But I'm very excited about Harold Landry. Uh, he's coming off of a 12-sack season last year, and certainly with the money that he was just given, the Titans are hoping that that production can only go up from here. He is Another thing that excites me is uh, the fact that Harold Landry is only 26 years old, and so he's still relatively young in the process of his NFL career, and so that's another reason to anticipate that the production will only increase from here, and Last thing I want to point out about Harold Landry is I believe that he's one of the guys who the coaching staff, Mike Mike Vrabel and uh, D.C. Shane Bowen and guys like Jim Schwartz, who is still there, thankfully. I think he was a big influence last year as well. But certainly, the guys on the defensive coaching staff are certainly pointing to this, that Harold Landry is just going to be one of the, one of the leaders of the team for years to come. And he's part of that young nucleus of talent, if you will. And speaking of people that are in the young nucleus and leaders for you of the team for years to come, another guy that excites me is Big Jeff, Jeffrey Simmons, and the monster that he has turned into. And going back to his stats from last year. Uh, he finished with 42 solo tackles, eight and a half sacks, which is phenomenal, especially as a defensive tackle. And another stat uh, that I found interesting for Jeffrey Simmons is he finished with ten and a half quote unquote 
stuffs, which I assume is the statistic that is used for uh, determining stuffs of quarterbacks and running backs at the line of scrimmage. And I think that's one of the areas of focus that Jeffrey Simmons has in his game, especially when you turn on the tape of the Titans-Bills game last year where Big Jeff not only stuffs Josh Allen at the line of scrimmage as he was trying to scramble for a first down on fourth and one, but when you really go back and look at that tape of Jeffrey Simmons, the man not only stuffs Josh Allen, but also, and I I believe he did this with one arm, stuffs the offensive guard who was blocking for Josh Allen. And I think it's phenomenal to have a guy who can not only stop an an offensive lineman, an opposing offensive lineman, but when you look at a guy like Josh Allen, Josh Allen is built like a tank as well. And for Big Jeff, as they call him, uh, for Big Jeff Simmons to make that sort of play speaks to sort of not only how strong he is, but also uh, what the Titans' plans are for him as he moves forward with his career and Gosh, I, I can't even ima- I can't even imagine how big an impact Jeffrey Simmons would make uh, if he were to gain even more muscle. But that's pretty much my take on how big of a freak, uh, in a good way, that Jeffrey Simmons is, and another thing that. Jeffrey Simmons is going to be paying, and Jeffrey Simmons' agent is, in particular, are going to be paying very close attention to is the new contract that Aaron Donald, or I I should say the restructured contract that Aaron Donald signed with the Los Angeles Rams. He is on a new three-year, $95 million deal, which makes him the, which gets him a $40 million raise. That is according to uh, Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. And it is a deal that makes Aaron, that now makes Aaron Donald the 
highest paid non-quarterback in NFL history. And frankly, if that's something that doesn't give Jeffrey Simmons and Jeffrey Simmons' agent uh, motivation to get the most money for themselves as humanly possible. Frankly, I don't know what else will. And it is going to be very intriguing to see how Jeffrey Simmons performs this season. It's going to be very intriguing to see how Harold Landry performs this season. And to wrap up uh, today's edition of the Jim Bratton Sports Podcast, it is going to be very, very intriguing to see how the Tennessee Titans as a team perform over the course of minicamp and the preseason and, of course, the regular season and hopefully the postseason. Knock on wood. But, uh, guys, that is pretty much all of the time that I have for today. Again, thank you so much for tuning in to the 10th of what will hopefully be many episodes to come of the Jim Bratton Sports Podcast. I very much appreciate it. I very much appreciate you guys listening to it. And I will see you soon.